0: Hello, my name is Marzena Farana-Sherlock and I would love to welcome you to episode number 11 of Just Stories Podcast. Today I'm meeting Pat Lemon, who describes herself as a local activist. Pat co-created a project called the Lammermule Larder in Haddington, East Lothian, in Scotland. It is a volunteer-led food initiative that assists people who struggle with food poverty. Pat and I will also talk about her personal reasons to be active in the life of the community she lives in. I hope you'll enjoy it. Today I'm in the Bridge Centre in Haddington. I'm meeting with Pat Lemon to speak about her involvement in the Larder Community Food Initiative in Haddington. But before we go into the initiative, I would like to ask you about yourself and your involvement within the community. How did it all start?
1: Well, I would say that I've been probably a community activist for about 15 years now in Haddington, if not longer. For as long as I can remember, I've been a volunteer in some form of capacity, either as a community councillor, a member of the local events group that organised events in the town and the Haddington Festival, and... I've always wanted to help my community. When we had the first lockdown in March I was on furlough from Oxfam who was my employer at the time and I thought I can't sit in the house and do nothing it's just not me. I'm like a collie dog I become self-employed I find something for me to do. There's nobody to throw the ball for me to chase so I've got to throw the ball myself and chase it. Roundabout May I decided I was enjoying it so much I was getting more out of my voluntary work than I had been out of my paid work. I decided it was time for me to make a life-changing decision which was to give up a full-time job and become a full-time volunteer.
0: That is quite a big step.
1: It was a huge step. I'm not sure if my husband would agree it was the right step for me to make but for me personally I'd been feeling for a long time that there had to be more then basically, I I needed a better life-work balance and I just didn't have that. I enjoy my work, I enjoyed being with my volunteers, I enjoyed selling, it's what I'm very good at I enjoyed merchandising and I enjoyed still my little voluntary work I was doing as part of the community council, but by throwing myself into 100% volunteering helping the community, I just had a reality check on myself I was lucky enough to be in a position where I knew we didn't need two wages coming into the house, plus I hit six And I thought, I'm not doing this time, 67. I've found since the first lockdown that I'm actually a facilitator. I can make things happen. I'm good at organising things. I enjoy meeting people. I'm well known in the community and I can make a difference to my community by doing what I'm doing. And that's when the larder idea started to come out. Basically I became part of the resilience team in Haddington that was responding to emergency calls. I felt it was my duty to do that as well because I'm the Vice Chair of the Community Council. I began assisting people get their prescriptions, get their shopping, I built up relationships with people that were isolating, that were unable to come out the house, or were shielding. I also started a lending library, which was a book lending library, and we're actually sitting in a hall that is quite large, and at one stage we had boxes all up one side of the hall that were full of books, we had DVDs, and we had jigsaw puzzles of all things. It started because the Resilience team, when they were dropping off shopping, People were saying, I don't suppose you've got any books that we could swap, or uh, I don't suppose they've got a jigsaw, you know, anybody's got a jigsaw, because I'm not allowed out the house. And then myself, Chris McCune, uh Fiona McCune, and Graham Samuels, who are all community councillors, thought, Do you know, actually there's a need for us collecting books and jigsaws and dropping them off at people. At its height we had, I think, 500 followers and we had between 90 and 100 regular users of the library service. We only actually wound that down at Christmas because people were starting to get out again. It was before Christmas. But it helped people at a very bad time in their lives to keep them occupied.
0: But I just want to ask a wee bit more about your personal story because you've mentioned that you feel like you've been an activist for almost all your life. How did it come about your interest in getting involved within community? Do you remember what happened that, yes. that you've decided <laughs> that actually this is something that I would like to do?
1: Oh, my goodness. I've been, I think, probably the best way to sum up is fighting all my life. I have a son with special needs and I have a brother with special needs. As well, an older brother. I've never been afraid to question authorities, especially doctors, etc., and ask questions to find out more about my son and to find out more about my brother. And I think when I managed to get my son into supported accommodation and my brother into supported accommodation as well, I suddenly had emptiness syndrome. <laughs> And I sat and I thought, oh, what am I going to do with my time? And that, again, was another light bulb moment because I wasn't running after my son 24-7 and working at the same time and checking on my mum, who was unwell at the time. I just suddenly realised I needed something more to do. And that's why I started getting involved more in the community, to get me out of the house and off the couch.
0: Do you remember the first initiative that you got involved in?
1: first initiative I got involved in was when the Christmas lights in Haddington had to be taken down due to structural damage on a building and I thought, there's no way we're not having Christmas lights in Haddington. What about the children? I can't believe there's not a way around this. And that's when I first became quite heavily involved with Linda Mitchell as well. And we managed to set up a subgroup of the Community Council called the Haddington Fest of Lights and that was the first community initiative I got involved in and we had Christmas lights in the town the next year.
0: What happened from there? Because you're a member of Community Council.
1: So far I've been part of the events group that has raised around £40,000 over the years I've worked with them to keep the Christmas lights going, to buy new equipment, I've been part of helping organise the Harrington Festival. The funniest thing, it wasn't funny at the time, but I can laugh at it now, there was a picture popped up on my timeline on Facebook and it was from 10 years ago and it was a Hustings we had in Harrington and it was for coming up for the elections again and we were having a Hustings, a political Hustings. I chaired it with the head boy from Knox Academy at the time and during the Hustings, a gentleman in the audience came into the hall half naked with a sandwich board on. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know where to look. Shouting something about one of the people that were sitting on the panel, I just didn't know what to do. I was just so taken aback. I went leave the hall now. At the time I was shocked. See when I look back in it now, I just laughed my head off. I can't believe it. a half naked man in Haddington at a Hustings making a political statement. That was probably the funniest thing.
0: Something that was the most memorable so far and got the spirit of the community really going. From your perspective or from feedback that you maybe have received later on
1: one of our festivals carnival was the theme and we had all different kinds of bands there playing in the festival and the haddington pipe band who are just fabulous for the community all turned up dressed up mardi gras gear and the parade was one of the best parades that we've ever taken part on. The atmosphere was wonderful. It was a lovely sunny day. The kids all had a wonderful time. And we were all dressed up either, you know, in fancy clothes, etc. Or we were singing. That was one of the best festivals ever. And I remember it and enjoy it.
0: Going back to what you've said, you've decided to stop working, getting involved in volunteering. What's next for you?
1: Next time I get bored, I just need to think of something else to do. I know I made the right decision for me. I've got a better work-life balance. I still find I'm working five days a week, but I'm dictating the hours I'm doing. I'll continue to carry on filling out grant applications for different groups as well.
0: How important the social aspect of volunteering is for you, or how important do you think it is for other people?
1: I think it's essential. Given my time that I spent with the uh, Sue Ryder first and then Oxfam as well, I learned that volunteers all volunteer for a reason. There are some people that are volunteer to get work experience, to help them on their CV and take them on to a future career, get some customer service skills, by till training, etc. But I would say the majority of people that volunteer volunteer as a social experience, is to get them out the house, is to get them doing something something that's meaningful to them and they know they make a difference and it's to meet other people it's to meet other people and socialize with them and build relationships again one of the most successful thing about being a charity shop manager was seeing volunteers who perhaps sometimes were afraid to come out their house that had moved on so far they were actually came to me to tell me they were leaving because they'd managed to get a job and how
0: would you say Covid changed volunteering? What opportunities arose but also what were the disadvantages of the pandemic?
1: I think from my point of view and the volunteers in here it presented the opportunity to volunteer. I think to the majority of people that volunteer in charities or attached to other different groups or bodies it was terrible for them because they were losing that social interaction, they were losing the meaning to get out of the house in the morning and I think they suffered mental health problems because of it. I think it was terrible. And I think there's a need, should this ever happen again, for mental health issues to be addressed.
0: This is Just Stories Podcast. I'm marjana Farana-Sherlock and I meet with people to find out about stories, places and initiatives that are part of their history. The economic and social consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic have been particularly severe for low-income households in the United Kingdom. According to the official statistics in Great Britain, the pandemic has resulted in reduced income levels for approximately 8.6 million people, and 2.6 million people are struggling to pay for essential goods and services such as food and energy. Even before the COVID-19 crisis, food insecurity was on a rising trend and one of serious concerns facing low-income households. Today I'm visiting the Lammermure Larder, a food initiative in Haddington, East Lothian in Scotland. I am talking to Pat Lemon and volunteers about their work.
1: Welcome to the Larder. It's a Friday. It's normally one of our busiest days. It's not too bad today though. These are the Larder cupboards. In here we have tin fruit custard toilet rolls mixture of things non-perishable items are all kept in here large amount of cereals because not every child is going to like uh, Weetabix or anything like that so if we've got a family we'll give them see cornflakes but we'll also if we've had Cocoa Pops we'll put them out to the kids curry sauces beans we go through lots of beans free bentos pies are very very popular as is pasta spaghetti tinned meats chilli con carne we're very lucky because some of the businesses in the town centre actually donate a lot of this to us as well they just say let us know when we're going to run short of it these are the tables here where we make up the orders the most we've had in one day has been five orders so we've had five tables ready to go today we've got three orders going out two are a mixture of food and animal products as well and we've got just already been made up with an order going out for dog food we're very lucky we've got a partnership agreement going with the Post Pantry at the Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home and they've given us an abundance of dog food and cat food. Just need lots of pussies and dogs for all this. We've got fresh fruit here. Fresh fruit goes out with the orders. We always put it out unless somebody says they just want not eat it. Bananas, apples, oranges. We've also got potatoes that are donated by the chip shops in Haddington. Biscuits. Lots and lots of biscuits. Because everybody needs a wee treat now and again. We have toiletries that we keep in a separate section through in a big hall. We have a cupboard through there where we have washing up liquid, deodorant, shower gel. Just don't keep that with the food. And we have a fridge. Oh, come with me. We'll walk this way. We'll go to the next part. The ladies making up the orders to go out. They normally go out just after 11 o'clock. They're delivered to the door. That's the agreement we have with the Bridge Centre who've allowed us to operate from here at the moment is we deliver it to it so people can't just walk in because people work in this place as well. But the Lamp of the Lowthains and the Harrington Bridge Centre have been absolutely wonderful allowing us to continue with this food project. And in the fridge we've got cheese all kinds of a liquid cereals we've got butter etc we also are very lucky to have frozen meals these are freshly made for us and then frozen and we keep them in here these are made by our community kitchen these go out to people that are in homeless accommodation or people that have got an adequate cooking facilities. We also from time to time get phone calls from people where their cooker's broken. Their new cooker's not going to be delivered for a week. They've got children, can we help, but they've got a microwave. So we supply lasagna, beef stew, cottage pie, fish pie, chicken casserole, Nice wee selection there.
0: It's quite a nice menu, yeah, it is. It's
1: wonderful. And naturally all types of freezer checks and fridge checks are done. But our community kitchen, they've been absolutely great. So we're working together, forming partnerships with different groups all the time to get the word of the larder out there. This is uh, Three volunteers in today. Every uh, we have a laugh as well. I always make the time for a coffee and a biscuit. You've got to do that. <laughs> so how are we getting on with the orders, everybody?
2: Good, good. Um, I don't know, I'll see what we need from the... We get support from East Lothian Food Bank based in Trenent. So once we make the shopping list up on a Friday, if we're short, say, for example, we've run out of tuna, I would phone them and say, if you get any tuna you can give us, because we get that free. If not, we'll have to buy it. Um, So yeah, the orders are doing fine, Um, you know, quiet day to day. I think that introducing the fresh fruits making a difference, because we want people to eat healthier, and we realise that the tins are practical, but they're not necessarily nutritious. Mm -hmm. I like to help people, and there's always, you know, you think, if I was in this situation, who would help me? And there's a variety of people that we support, and it could be any one of us at any time, so... Why not? And I enjoy
0: it. What would go to a typical bag? We have a shopping list.
2: Pat deals with all the orders because it's a confidential service. I only know the person that's in receipt of them by the number, by the reference number at the bottom. And this is an order for a single person. Whoever it is, is having some tins of chilli. They're looking for canned mints and meatballs. A fribentos pie, as Pat said, very popular. Dried spaghetti, so that's somebody that cooks. And they've also asked for a meat voucher. So Kevin Watt, our local butcher, has agreed to accept our vouchers and we put them out in 5 or £10 pounds so that we know people that want to cook get a meat voucher. If you don't cook, you can get a scotch pie or sausage roll or something. So you're getting something different. We've got toiletries, this person. A lot of spray cleaner because everybody's at home just now. We need to put out lots of antibac and um, soap powder. Um, for the washing machine, expensive, so we buy boxes and break it down into little packs and toothpaste, so there can be anything and then dog food it 's whether it 's dry or wet dog food or cat food, and we do fresh mar- uh, margarine and bread and milk and Pat picks up, pick up every morning. Pat yes. picks that up every, every morning. morning we also use the sirenians operate a food project called fair Share. when Jamie our driver, when he went down, he managed to Get some
3: cheese.
2: (laughs) So that's a big deal. That's a treat. It's not on our list. We put it out to people who think we'd need it. Andy also came back with some yoghurt.
1: The other thing that Linda's done is uh, she's come up with uh, different recipes and we're going to be having a larder cookbook. We're going to be putting out laminated sheets with very easy-to-follow healthy eating recipes just to encourage healthy eating. We've been very lucky because we've received funding through different sources to be able to do that through the area partnership. We've been heavily supported by individuals in the town and, as I said before, our community kitchen. But we're going to come up with simple, easy-to-follow recipes. We feel that's the least that we can do to try and encourage people to start cooking their own meals.
0: If people get ingredients, it's much easier to cook than to try to look
2: for something. (laughs) So if you're making suggestions, it's always like, what's the hardest thing about stuff? anything, it's getting the idea so if we give you the idea and we give you the ingredients and one of the things we're as we move into summer, we're going to put together is salads for example, we have rather a lot, we could feed the whole of Scotland with pork, so we're going to do that will be nice for a salad, we'll add some um, lettuce and tomatoes and cucumber and again, if you could give people ideas of what they can do with it and that'll just go out in a wee bag separate like that's your meal for the week if you like dish of the week Pat mentioned to you about period poverty sanitary products are quite expensive and if you're on a very limited or restricted budget that's an extra that you might think oh I could cut back on is there something I could make do No, 2021 I'm, you shouldn't have be been needing to make no. do
1: And again, you know, thanks to a grant that came from East Lothian Council, we've been given money to buy uh, period products for people, which we're advertising heavily on our social media sites. What we've realised is there's a lot of ladies out there that are cutting back on their food to buy their period products as well.
2: That's going to be a benefit. And as we see things, because when we started off, we only did the bread, the milk and the margarine butter the spread and then we thought about the fresh fruit but we always did the potatoes and onions and in the winter we'll probably grow that for soup it's really just as something comes up, as you saw this morning when Pat and I were chatting, is this the right thing to do? Can we do it? How much will it cost us to do it? You know, that's something people could use and value. I
1: think the best way to sum it up is as long as there's people suffering any kind of food poverty, we'll be there to respond.
3: My name's Jamie, and um, I've been working at the larder for the last two and a half, three months. Why do I volunteer? Well, after a career of 35 years working as a professional soldier, followed by eight years working at the Lampelothian here at the pole rate, I was became fully retired. My wife works, and therefore I needed something more to do. So... I volunteer both for the Bridge Centre as one of their trustees and for the larder. What do I do for the larder? Well, I do all I can to help the ladies who bag and organise the movement of food. I drive them round. I take all the rubbish to the tip. Anything that's required of um, me which needs a bit of extra strength, then I'm quite happy to do it. I enjoy it. It gets me out of the house for three or four hours, three times a week, and that's great. I enjoy going round to um, the people we deliver to. The feedback we get is what we get on the doorstep. It is a difficult time, and
1: some of the thanks that we get for what we do just makes it all the more worthwhile. The Lamb and Larder grew out of a food and clothing initiative that, again, myself and some other community councillors, we started that in August last year, and we secured funding for that, and plus we got a very generous donation from a local resident who just wanted to say thank you to all the people that had worked with the resilience team. We like to call ourselves the resistance, because that's what we felt like at times, the resistance. (laughs) But by Christmas we realised there was a need to structure the food a bit better and giving out food And that was to supply people with food. Food bank was discussed. I don't like the name food bank. neither do the volunteers here. I approached Linda, that you spoke to earlier on, who I've worked with extensively in the past and very successfully. Jamie, had, I had got to know through working from the Bridge Centre. Graham, he's another uh, volunteer here, but he works as well. But he's a community councillor. And other, some other ladies came forward and we set up the Lamb and Muir Larder, a community food initiative led by volunteers 100%. To date... We've uh, completed 78 orders and we started on the 2nd of February. We've helped 175 individual people in this area and 52 pets.
0: Probably that need will be exceeding with COVID. How do you make sure that people feel that they can approach the Larder without their confidentiality being basically broken because it is quite a small community.
1: What we do in the literature we've sent out and the leaflet drops that we've made and on our social media pages, we make it very clear that it's a confidential service. I am the only person that sees the name that comes in. When the name comes in, I give them a number and that number is passed on to Larder lists that are then given to the volunteers. Myself and Jamie, who comes out with me, to deliver the stuff. He's not known in Haddington at all. I'm the only person that knows the name of the end user who's getting the, the delivery. So at all times, all records are kept securely. No names are passed by email. We make regular features on our Facebook page advertising the fact that they can talk to me confidentially. Also, if somebody is too embarrassed or too scared to contact us, they can get a friend to contact us. Or if there's a professional agency actually giving support to that family of individual, they can make the referral on their behalf. Most of the referrals here come from professionals. I would say 25% are self-referrals. But we just want everybody to know there's no need to be worried about your name being discussed. I've covered Covered all different kinds of courses as well. To I'm well aware of data protection and volunteers. They never see the names of the people that the order is that they're making up.
0: Can a person get any additional support when they are making self-referral to the larder?
1: Yes, occasionally we come across people that after talking to them, either when they've made the initial self-referral or when we're making the delivery, they'll say, can you help me with my, say my gas and electricity? I'm struggling to make payments there. We give them a leaflet and we give them a booklet from East Lothian Council in the first delivery that gives them all the emergency numbers. At the same time, we have direct access to somebody that works within welfare benefits section and we can pass on their mobile number to that individual. We can't guarantee they're going to phone, but at least we know we've given them the best advice we can, and we've given them contact phone numbers. We can also help them with perhaps encouraging them to go and see the doctor if we find when we're talking to somebody on the doorstep that they seem particularly low. I mean, we're not social workers, we don't have any training, but if somebody is just saying they're having a really bad day, we can try and encourage them to speak to somebody.
0: Can you tell me what does it mean to you to have the contact with people? Because as you're saying, you will have those conversations on the doorstep. What does it mean to you?
1: It means everything. It makes a huge difference to us knowing that we can make a difference just by knowing the members of our community and knowing the best people that they can speak to, it just feels like you've made a difference. You've not just lightened up their day because it brought them some shopping you've also said hello, you've shown that you care enough. We all make a big issue about this caring and making shapes of hearts or hands. And I wonder how many people actually practically do that. I feel all the volunteers at the Larder are doing that and more. Nobody's paid to do this. We do this because we want to make a difference. So it's not just food. It's a care package we're delivering at the same time. Big relationships being built up. One of the nicest things, and I know it sounds terrible, but it really isn't. It. Then One of the nicest things is when you're ready to let go and you can say, right, are you coping okay now? Yes, I'm doing fine now. Thanks for that help out. I was just going through a bad time but I've got my benefits sorted out or I'm about to return back to work after furlough and they've moved on and they don't need you anymore and that's the biggest smile that you can give is knowing that you've helped you've made a difference have not become totally dependent on you people have moved on
0: if you were to say the most powerful stories from the period that yeah. you've had I'm not asking about individual one yeah. if you summarized what was the person or family journey
1: I think the most powerful Statement that came out of uh, a family we supported is, and they actually allowed me to not name them but quote what they said on our Facebook pages I was in a very dark place I didn't think there was any light at the end of the tunnel and just by receiving that wee bit extra help I feel that I can win for the first time in a long time I feel that I'm winning
0: How has the larder changed over the last few months?
1: Initially, I think we saw ourselves as just being a food drop-off service. We've realised more it's a total experience, it's a service that we're actually providing. That's how it's changed in the last 10 to 11 weeks. We've realised that we're referring people on to other agencies and we're acting as a go-between, as a vehicle to help people in different ways as well. What began as just a food initiative has become a true community initiative by us reaching out and offering different strands of help that people can go to if they need it. It would be great to see more referrals coming in. We've not had one referral for MD over 65, and I just wonder who's supporting people over 65. If you know somebody that's over 65 that could do a bit of help from food, please get in contact. If you just need a wee bit of help, we can give it to you. It's not just for people on benefits. It could be for people that's income has been affected because of COVID and has continued to be affected. If you find yourself in a situation, whether it be through food, period products or frozen meals, anything like that, please contact us. We're there to help. We're not there to discuss your business. All we want to do is give you a bit of hope and realise there's light at the end of the tunnel and just help you in any way we can. But don't hesitate to contact what I would like to see the Lamywe Larder grow into is its own type of group that will develop with a community hub. I would like larger premises because we can't stay here indefinitely. When the groups start to come back to the bridge centre we will need larger premises. It would be great to have a cafe in the larger premises where people could drop in for a chat. It could be an internet cafe as well. We're good to have cooking facilities so perhaps we could do some cooking courses for people. I'd like To have office facilities so that welfare rights people can actually do one-to-ones interviews with people to help them. A proper community hub where the community can come in, they can pick up leaflets, they can ask for advice. We can help them with maybe photocopying and printing as well. And also at the same time encourage volunteering so more people like Pat Lehm and Linda Mitchell and all the other volunteers attached to Larder can be the volunteers of the future.
0: I appreciated hearing how Pat's personal reasons to become an advocate for her family led her to being involved in a community. If yourself or anybody that you know needs an assistance, you can visit the project website www.lammermuirlarder.co.uk and place a referral. This was the 11th episode of Just Stories Podcast. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, I will walk on sunshine and clouds. All down to Sarah Curtis, who will talk about her love of flying. You can tune in to Just Stories Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Podbean platform. Marzena Farana-Sherlock, see you in two weeks.